Hello and welcome to the Swift Coders Podcast, where each week we interview an amazing Swift developer about their experience with Apple's new open source programming language. We hear their stories, learn their tips and tricks, and try to leave you feeling inspired and empowered on your Swift Coder journey. I'm your host, Garrick, and today's guest is Maximilian Literal. Maximilian is an independent iOS developer best known for the app Television Time, and he's also a dub dub uh, 2015 student scholarship winner. Welcome to the show, Maximilian. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. How's it going? Good. How are you? I am excellent. It's a nice Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. I had an amazing breakfast. The sun is shining. Uh, Yeah, I'm just excited to have this conversation with you and then go about the rest of my uh, beautiful, sunny Southern California day. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Are you in Southern California or? I am in uh, Northern California near Sacramento. Nice. Cool. Mm -hmm. Cool. I was actually born in Northern California. Ooh, nice. Yeah, I was born in... Stanislaus County in nice. Modesto. Ooh, yeah, that's kind of close. Yeah. Okay. So, how did we meet? Uh, I'm remembering I interviewed Dean Murphy. If you guys remember a couple episodes back, uh, developer of the Crystal app, and mm-hmm. he messaged me, I believe, on Twitter and said, "Hey, you should interview Maximilian." Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And he told me about you too. And he said, uh, "I saw his uh, tweet about the show that he was on, it, and I checked it out, and it was really." Cool. How do you know Dean? Uh, we met through Twitter as well. We were friends uh, before, kind of before he released his uh, app. And then last year we met for the first time at uh, WWDC, or this year actually, we met this year. And uh, we just hung out all week and it was pretty cool. Did you go to DevDub? I did not get in, but I was there for AltConf. Nice. How was that? It was pretty fun. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's more excitement around WWDC. Right. Um, but it's still cool. I got to hang out with a lot of cool people. Yeah, I want to interview Dean as a follow-up on how DubDub was, even though he didn't go to the actual conference. Mm-hmm. He was in the area. So what's it like to go to San Francisco during DubDub as an iOS developer and go to different conferences and sort of just be there? I'm sure it was still really cool. It was, very, yeah, very cool. There's just people everywhere you basically look. Um, I, I hung out a lot inside of the new Union Square Apple Store, nice. and I met so many people just by sitting in the Apple Store. Uh, from Twitter, I just recognized them, or they had shirts on with their app names on, and I would introduce myself, and it was really cool. Is that the new Apple Store with like the trees and stuff? It is, yes. Grove? That's Brand cool. new. It's, it's super nice. I want to go there. So you said you went to AltConf? I did, yeah. I uh, volunteered for the first day. And then I attended the rest of the week. That's awesome. Yeah, I applied to be one of the speakers, but I guess they only had like a few spots. I didn't get in or whatever, but yeah. I thought that could have been kind of cool. Yeah, there's only, a, a, I think, two rooms they had speakers in all week. And then one room they had for a uh, live stream. So are they talking about like very like developer-related stuff? Or is it more like kind of... Su- like? sort of developer adjacent sort of like how to be a good person as a developer or I don't know you know what I mean like that kind of mm-hmm. yeah there side. was a lot about developing but there's also a f- there's a few like adjacent ones um there's like a rocket fm like panel um and then they had like uh just a bunch of different ones there's one about watchos 3 which is pretty cool right on um there's a lot there's a very various different topics 
So did you have a good experience? I did. It was uh, pretty fun. But the previous years I've been at WWDC and I thought it was like a lot more excitement when you're inside Moscone. There was actually not a lot of people that I saw um, at all conference that were in like the live stream or anything because I guess you can do that anywhere. And then I felt like uh, it was harder like to meet people because you're kind of watching the talks uh, live and you don't really want to like interrupt or anything and then like a panel would start right after i see okay well so for those of you that don't know out there AltConf is a free conference that happens every year during dub dub um i don't know where if it was across the street this time or nearby mm, yeah. so and so anybody that you know doesn't get into dub dub you know doesn't get a ticket to dub dub um they you know maybe will go to AltConf. Um, so at least there's other things to do in the area mm-hmm. um, if you don't get a ticket to, to Dub Dub. And just so you don't know, we cool people. We call it Dub Dub because it's so hard <laughs> to pronounce. WWDC. <laughs> Anywho. Okay, so Maximilian, enough about all that. Let's talk about you. I want to learn a little bit about you. So what are you up to right now? What are you working on? I, I'm currently working on uh, two apps in my free time as an independent developer. Uh, one is called Television Time, as you uh, stated in the intro, and it tracks uh, TV shows and it will alert you when they come on, and you can see like which ones got canceled or if they got moved. And um, I'm working on a new uh, movie version of the app called Movie Time. It's basically the same concept, and it'll alert you like the day before a movie comes out, and you can watch the trailer, see the cast, all from this one app. That's cool. So where do you get your data from? I get them from this uh, service called track.tv, and they pull their data from a few different sources uh, because they have a source for uh, TV data and then they have a source for movie data, and those are user-contributed databases, so individuals have to help out and contribute to them. That's cool. And so is the data pretty, um, pretty, I guess, what's the word, reliable, Um, you know, filled up? Pretty, yeah, pretty well. it's uh, pretty good uh, for like big shows like um, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, yeah, that's like updated all the time. But then like a few lesser known shows are probably not updated as much because uh, people probably only update what they watch themselves. Right. And so there has to be some kind of interest in that show and someone to give their time up to add these shows and movies. Does it have a feature where, like, let's say you just finished watching the first season of this show you really like and you want to know whether or not like it's been approved for a second season mm-hmm. and if the release date's been announced and like you just want to be notified as soon as that information comes comes to light or um, something like that yeah so well in my app it will uh, tell you if it's coming soon and then if it gets canceled it'll be updated and moved to the bottom and it won't come out but it will alert you for the new episode of the first season and usually they are added well in advance so you can see uh, like months before when new shows come out, and it will show you the dates. That's pretty cool. So when did you release Television Time? I released it in September of last year, and I started working on it in February of 2015, and that's when I began working with Swift. That's awesome. Wow. That's mm-hmm. really cool, man. Thank so, you. And you're still working on it now, and you're like continuously updating it? or or is it Yeah, like- so right now I'm working on a iOS 10 uh slash 1.3 version update and it's going to add like some 
iOS 10 features such as the iMessage extension and uh, they have new uh, notifications where you can actually see an entire like view right from the notification of my custom UI and I, I'm going to add some of that. And I'm adding features like uh, special episodes, so like Comic-Con footage would count as a special episode. So I'm adding those and then um, fixing bugs. and That's cool. So you're always, you're always updating it. That's awesome. Do you have an Apple TV app for it? Not yet. It is in the works. Awesome. And I'm also working on Mac versions of Ooh, both apps. Cool. So I just heard some type of rumor that Apple's thinking about making like an Apple TV guide which like mm-hmm. collects all the data of all the different you know apps and video and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this? I've heard a little bit about it. I've heard that they've approached some networks and they want to get them on the Apple TV to do live stream. And I've heard that they Apple has some crazy ideas about it that aren't like um, standard. Out. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. They're like not sta- standard uh, like contracts and stuff. And oh. they're asking for like special treatment. Right. And, I, so I think, I, think yeah. I heard something like that too. Okay, cool. Well, that's that's awesome. Television time. I think I'm gonna check it out. Um, my television like watching habits are kind of just random, but that seems yeah. pretty cool. Um, have you heard of this planet of the apps thing? I feel like you should totally apply. I have, and um, it looks pretty cool. Uh, they say that you have to take some time off, and it's kind of vague about like how much time off though. To said right. you have to take off time from like August or whatever till. Uh, January kind of and they didn't tell you like the exact dates or like how many days will need you so I'm, and I'm uh, I'll be attending school during then so it's kind of hard like I don't know if I could take all those dates off right right okay so I was going to mention this at, at the break actually they haven't paid me or anything to advertise but I just I like to pretend like I have advertisers and like get in the habit of like doing like an advertisement you know mm-hmm. um so I'll just talk about it now because we're talking about it and I actually went to this Planet of the Apps plus Product Hunt meetup mm-hmm. at this VC firm in um, Venice called Crosscut Ventures. Mm-hmm. They hosted this really cool event, and Will I Am was there, and Ryan oh, Hoover nice. of Product Hunt was there, and they were talking, and I got to meet some of the casting people. I got mm-hmm. to meet Will I Am. I got to meet Ryan Hoover. I got to meet one of the producers, I think, and they uh, they answered that question. I asked him. I said, Honestly, like I would really be interested in applying, but I don't really know what I'm applying for, you know, because you're not very that you're not that clear. And uh, I asked him directly about that question, and he said t- uh, about ten days. Um, it would it would be about ten days. But the thing is, it would be I don't know how that would work for you because you'd have to like. I don't know, you'd have to like fly down like randomly at a moment's notice or something. Yeah. Like that. I didn't ask him that because I'm in L.A., so it doesn't like. That didn't concern me, but it seems like they're pretty open. If you really are interested, I would message them and 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 you know ask them because they're really interested in getting people just like you to apply, and uh, they s- seemed very eager to get applications. I'll, I'll definitely have to check it out. I was checking out it the other day uh, at the their parties, and on they have a map and a view, and they say that there's one in San Francisco, L.A. Uh, Austin, Texas, maybe, in New York, I think. I mean, that makes total sense that there's going to be one sort of, in, you know, San Francisco area. You should try to go. Yeah, um, I was I was looking at it, but then I looked at the, then I have a list of all the dates, and San Francisco wasn't in there. So I don't know if they removed it or if 
it got canceled. Mm, but it wasn't in the list anymore. So I was like, oh, because I, I would totally go. I'm very well, close to I that. think they have an email address. Uh, try to email them if you're interested. In, and all the listeners out there, if you you know, are thinking about applying or you think maybe it's not for you, trust me, it is. If you are either a developer or you're on a team uh, with where you're building an app, you don't necessarily have to be a developer. You just have to be on a team at least that's building an app or making an app happen, right? Like a biz dev person. Mm-hmm. Um, you can apply and they're, they just want to meet these people who are creating these amazing apps, right? They want to, they actually, their goal is to find the next big thing and like help this person um, get to the next level. And like, Will, I am talking about like Evan Spiegel or Spiegel or however you say his name. Um, and like you trying to find the next Evan and stuff like that, which was kind of mm-hmm. cool. And I, I asked him, I'm like, is it going to be like an American Idol? Uh, and he said, no. So if it's not going to be like an American Idol, apparently it's going to be more like, like a shark tank type of a thing where it's oh. like, I, but he didn't, I don't think they said that someone said that, but it's going to be more like a real life. Like there's going to be mentorship and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It seems pretty cool. So I think I'm going to apply if I can get, um, cause you have to have your app, like at least in beta form yeah. by October 24th, I think. Ooh, so okay. yeah. Anyways. Okay, cool. So yeah, you should totally apply if it, if it makes sense for you. So let's Definitely. get back to Max. You mind if I call you Max? Definitely. Yeah. Let's get back to Max. So back to Max. <laughs> That's good. Um, when you said you started programming in January 2015? Um, no, that's when I started with uh, Swift in February okay. of 2015. But I've been uh, developing since uh, late or early 2011. So it's been like six years now. Cool. What were you doing then? Were you doing like Objective-C? Yeah, I was doing Objective-C. Uh, I've only basically worked on iOS. I worked a little bit on Android, but mainly iOS. And uh, I was in high school. It was a freshman year. And there just, like, not enough. I had a few ideas that weren't on the phone yet and or they weren't done well. So I was like, well, I should just learn myself. And so I uh, watched some YouTube videos and started learning. That's cool. So you started with Objective-C. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So you had no prior programming experience before that? Um, not really. I knew a little bit of HTML, but nothing like crazy. And that's not really like coding. That's like uh, web markup or something. Right, call. right. So I don't know much about it, but I knew a little bit. And then I started with Objective-C. Were you studying it in school at all? Or was this just like uh, after school? Were you like learning and teaching yourself? Just after school stuff. My uh, school didn't really have any programming classes, which really saddened me. It would be cool. Do you remember what Objective-C or what YouTube videos you were watching? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, uh, It was a channel called Milmer's Xcode, and he hasn't released a video in a while, I think, but it was really helpful when I was beginning. Milmer's Xcode? Yeah, that's his channel name. <laughs> that sounds kind of cool. So why did you pick that one? Um, I, well, I just like would search up stuff on YouTube and then his stuff would come up and they always seemed good and I just kind of stuck with them and they really just made sense to me. What was like the style, his Milmer's style? Was it like live coding? Was it like using drawings? What did he do? It was live coding for the most part. He would uh, like uh, just show the concept and he'd code it in and build the project with you on screen. That's cool. And so would he teach you like one specific thing or would he teach you like how to build build a list app or would he show you this is how you use a table view? This is how you use core data. 
yeah, it was mainly that, like table view, Quadata, and then it would go on on and on per concept. Okay, so it would talk about like a specific library or framework yeah. or something. Okay, cool. So you did you just stuck with that, and then when did you decide to move to Swift? Uh, Swift. I decided to move to Swift uh, in February of 2015 because uh, it was brand new and I really wanted to learn it because everyone's talking about it on Twitter and all that and I didn't want to be left out. So when I created my new app, Television Time, the, uh, I started that. I started just writing Swift because I wanted to learn. I thought as I'm making this, I'll learn the most. So before that then, did you uh, release an app with Objective-C? Yeah, I released uh, like five apps on with Objective-C before then. How um, many apps have you put in the App Store? Probably around 10 by now. I've, I've removed a lot of them because they weren't uh, good enough or they uh, I didn't have any updates com- up, coming up, so I would remove them until I can get my app, uh, updates out. That's awesome, though. 10 apps. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. And it sounds like you're still like in... I don't know, high school or college or something. Yeah, I'm in college currently. Wow, man, that's cool. Yeah, you should totally apply for that that thing. And I feel like you're the exact kind of person that they're looking for. Okay, so you released five apps in Objective-C, and then you're like, oh, Swift looks cool. I'm going to start doing, uh, you know, learning Swift. So you use television time to learn Swift, right? Yeah. So I feel like that's that's like a really good idea, right? You kind of maybe it was a passion project or it was like an idea that you had that you thought was really good. You wanted to build mm-hmm. it, and so you you learned Swift um, by building out this this idea. Yeah, um, exactly. I feel like there's a lot of people that do that, and that's what that's what um, happened to me. And I meet a lot of people, and they're they're learning development, uh, mm-hmm. iOS development, to build this idea that they have, and then what happens um, is they kind of fall in love with it. Um, yeah. do you feel like maybe that's what happened to you? Like you kind of just wanted to build this one thing and then you were like, like right in high school, you were like, I should build this thing. Right. And then, but now here you are and you're still developing, right? Is that yeah. what happened with you? Basically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's what happened to me too. Although I, I haven't put anything in the app store yet and I'm gonna, mm. I don't know, I'm gonna maybe one day do it. Like definitely, uh, yeah. for me, it was like, I loved developing and I wanted to do it every day, but I needed to make money. So that was my goal was like to find a job to get paid uh, and develop. So that's, you know, that's what happened with me. But I feel like I need to get this, this, at least my passion project out into the store. I'm going to do that. I don't know, man. It's like, look at you. You just put 10. So it's like you put 10 naps in the store. It's like, yeah, just do it. uh, since, Since I'm so young, I didn't really have to worry about making money. My apps did make money, but it wasn't like, if I didn't make money, I didn't have to stop. You hear so, that? You hear that, guys? Yeah. If you're young enough to where you don't have to make money, start learning it now. <laughs> yes. Start definitely. learning it now because then you could just do it and not have to worry about getting paid for it. Yep. Okay, so you're working on television time. It's February 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's going on? What's like? Was it easy? Was it hard? What did you like about it? What didn't you like? Um, it was pretty easy for me because. Uh, before I started the app, I quickly opened up iBooks and downloaded the Swift programming language book, and I read all of that, and it's really helpful. I think it's the most helpful thing I've read, and it's like just so detailed, and it's really clear and concise about everything. Right. But some people, I feel like 
they maybe don't benefit from reading the the language guide. Like I use it as a reference. I don't just mm -hmm. pick it up and read it and then <laughs> understand everything. Uh, but for you, are you that kind of person that, you know, may, or maybe at that point you had like the foundational ex iOS experience, right? Because you were doing Objective-C. Yeah. So maybe it was like more beneficial for you versus like someone who maybe is just new to programming. Um, do you feel like, like they would benefit from just picking up the Swift book and reading it? Um, if if they have no prior knowledge at all of coding, I would say, like I would definitely still read it, but probably they'd need other sources. Maybe uh, also YouTube videos; those are helpful. Or uh, I bought this book by uh, Ray Renderlich, I think that's right. how you say his name, and his books are always very helpful. I bought the Swift book from them as well, and the IOSA book and Cordata book, and those are so super helpful as well. So going back to the Planet of the Apps thing, I was mm -hmm. I was there. I met this develop. Well, it's a new developer. His name's I believe his name was Ryan, and he said he was been listening to the podcast. Mm -hmm. He loves every you know listens to all the episodes and stuff like that. And he was like, "But I have one piece of like feedback." He's like, "I wish that you would focus more on." the last question you ask your your uh, guest, like one piece of advice for learning Swift. And so I've been thinking about that a lot and like I love getting to know my my guests, you know, mm -hmm. but I also uh, want to, you know, try to get in the to the mind of my listeners, someone like Ryan, like what is it that they need like right now? And, and I remember driving in my car, listening to podcasts and like trying to consume and I don't know what it was, like I wanted something and, and I feel like when we're learning development, especially early on, we just we're trying to just consume so much information, mm -hmm. and we feel like the more information we get, maybe like we'll understand it better or something. I, I don't know. But like, what what do you feel like is the most important thing for someone to learn, um, or just to understand? Like right now, if they're new to programming, they're learning um, iOS development. Like, what do you think are some of the more important things to focus on when they're just starting out? Um. Well, I wouldn't, like, try to, I wouldn't rush into it. I wouldn't just, like, sit, uh, don't stay up all night and don't sleep and just try to learn as fast as you can because there's plenty of time to learn. Um, I would definitely, like, try to find a community to talk to and talk to people, meet people, because um, that's very helpful as well. Uh, that's a good point. I yeah. mean, that's why I started my meetup was to have that kind of community well, what about someone mm -hmm. who lives in um, like a different part of town where there is no local community? What, uh, what do you say to them? Slack is very good. I, uh, I've joined like three or four Swift and iOS development Slacks and there's just so many people like there's 7,000 I think on one of them and just, just so many people and they're so nice and helpful. That's a really good point. So for those that you don't know, Slack is a really popular uh team communication app mm -hmm. and uh, we have a swift coders slack team uh, it's mostly local los angeles people people that are in my meetup but there's other slack teams all around the world uh, and there's ios developer ios developer slack team so there's one that i know of it's um, yeah i think it's just ios developers yeah that's the one i um, mainly run go by on. it's run by aaron a i think and a couple other guys so that's the one you use yeah that's the main one i use I'm going to link to that. Okay, so how do you use that, though? Because I feel like you ask a question on the Slack team and then, like, you know, maybe someone responds, maybe someone doesn't. Like, why use that versus Stack Overflow or something? 
Um, well, I used to use Stack Overflow when I was starting out too, but there aren't. Uh, I feel like there's not a lot of good channels on there anymore. Um, the one I went to all the time is like five people that just hang out there now versus uh, the iOS developer Slack and there's like hundreds of people that uh, are very helpful and they get back in a timely manner usually. And uh, you can ask questions, but then there's other, uh, you can also just sit there and uh, interact with people and uh, just talk about openly about stuff and what you feel like should like come in the future of Swift or stuff like that. That's really, excuse me, that's really cool. So is that uh, Slack team pretty active? It's very active, yeah. That's interesting. So I wonder if maybe things are moving off of Stack Overflow, like onto something like um, like a Slack team. Uh, you know, I know a lot of my members ask questions on our Slack team and get answers. We have a lot, like, we have a few advanced members that are really helpful and and answer, uh, you know, answer questions. I mean, Stack Overflow is optimized for asking questions, like posting your your code and all that, and like the voting of the answers, but. I feel like with a Slack team, there is something a little bit more like immediate and like more personal. Like you yeah. feel like you're you're for sure going to be heard possibly. So on the, the iOS developer Slack team, is there like a beginner's channel or like an advanced channel or intermediate? Or how does that work? Like when you want to ask a question, because I know some people might feel like, oh, I'm going to have a stupid question or something mm-hmm. like that. Um well, they don't really have like a, they don't separate it by your level of coding. They just have different channels for like different um, parts of the system and stuff. So they, like, they have a general channel, then they got a help channel, which is like anything you want help on. But then they got like uh, Apple Watch channel or Apple TV channel, or uh, there's an architecture uh, channel as well. So there's different things that you can ask and. Uh, if you have like a specific question, so like Apple TV question, you'd probably put it inside the Apple TV channel because the people there will probably know, uh, like they're there for that. Um, and so you can help, help, uh, get help there. That's really cool. Okay. So I'm definitely going to link to that Slack, uh, team. I think mm. that's a great idea. And this is actually the first time we've ever mentioned, I think, uh, something like that besides the Swift Coder Slack team. Uh, have you asked a question on that Slack team recently? Uh, yeah, I've asked uh, a lot of questions. Can you give <laughs> us an example of a question that you asked and like the type of answer you got? Um, well, probably the latest one I asked was about a Swift, a Swift change, and I asked uh, why did Swift uh, add er- uh, move from NSR to the error uh, protocol and the uh, function or like uh, the UI kit and um, callbacks, you know, like so now in Swift 3, I guess, uh, NS error will turn to the error protocol when it's an objective C to Swift. Okay. Um, so I was asking about why why they do that. And because you just have to cast the error back to NS error now. Oh, but interesting. I guess it's like a change that's going to be more useful in Swift 4, I guess. Okay. So I was asking why did they do this? Why didn't they just wait until Swift 4, I guess, if it's going to be more useful there? And uh, they gave, I got a few answers back, uh, and some people gave examples of why it's more useful and stuff, and they linked to the proposal and all that. Do you ever ask any questions that are more, like, specific to, like, a coding problem that you have? Um, yeah, I ask a lot about, like, uh, UIKit stuff. Um, and you get pretty good responses? Pretty good responses, yeah. Okay, or, cool. Yeah. 
So let's say uh, there's someone out there. He's just kind of starting out. He's like learning something on like table view. And, you know, there's like kind of like these little tricks and tips that you kind of you sort of learn. Like, remember, um, if you're using storyboards, let's say, mm -hmm. and like you name one of your outlets from the storyboard into your, you know, view controller file, let's say you name it and you're like, ah, I don't like that name. And you change the name and then you run it and your app's crashing. And you're like, I don't yeah. know why. Like those kind of things. Right. Like. Uh, yeah. Let's let's say um, let's say like there's a beginner, um, and just just if you're listening, if that's happening to you, the reason is because you need to like remove the outlet you created in the storyboard and recreate it, right? Because that outlet still exists, but the name is not matching. Yeah. Okay. So let's say like you're new to programming, you're like learning, you're and you're and you're running into this problem, and you go onto the Slack channel and you want to ask that question. Like, there's a couple things running through your mind. Probably it's like, is this a stupid question? Um, should I should I ask it? And then like, how do I ask it? Um, and to, to get good feedback. So like, what advice do you have uh, for someone like that? Um, well, I've been uh, on that slack for probably a year now. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone turned away or called stupid. I think every answer, or every question basically gets an answer. For the most part, um, we we'll either help you right there, or, or we will like link an answer from Stack Overflow if there if we think like a common thing, we'll link to it. Um, and a lot of people are very helpful. People ask for like, uh, like their sample code and they'll help fix it sometimes too. I've cool. seen. Okay. Awesome. And so uh, like a tip would be to post the sample code or. Well, yeah, or probably if, if you know where the error might be around, uh, you can include the code which, and that's helpful. Okay. Awesome. And then how do you join that Slack team? Is it just like a, you have to send Aaron a message or something? Uh, there's a website and I think you just enter your email in and then you'll get a Slack invite. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think I'm actually a member of that one. I just haven't checked it out in a while. That's really cool. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so what else would you say to someone who's um, just starting out? Let's say they've been studying for like six months and they're really eager to like to learn. Like what do you think? Let's say their goal is they have an app idea and they're working on it and they want to get it out um as soon as possible like what are some what's some advice that you have um like don't worry about adding every single feature idea just like focus on the basics or like don't worry about the app architecture just make it work i don't know anything like that like what would you say is like some of the good pieces of advice or important things to focus on um, well, if you have like an app idea, I would definitely write it down or put it on a, like create a list of everything you do want to add. So you can kind of like stay focused and like, you won't forget like what you want to add at all. And then I would like go down one by one and like put it in order that you think would be easiest to hardest and just focus on one feature at a time, I'd say. Wow, that's really good. Actually, I haven't done that. I should probably do that. <laughs> so like every idea, no matter how like crazy or whatever, you just all the different feature ideas, just write them all down. And yeah. then and then you also have that list so that the next time you have an idea, you know where to put it. You just put it right there. And then, yeah, and then just like slowly build it up. That's kind of something I've been I tell people a lot is like just focus on building it one little bit at a time and and, mm -hmm. and then focus on learning that thing one bit at a time. So like you don't need to learn everything. Yeah. Let's say you want a button and when you push the button, it does something. We'll learn how to put a button on the screen, right? Definitely. Cool. All right. So what else would you say? Like um, what's like a what's an important thing for someone uh, to focus on? Let's say like on the day to day, like do you feel like 
they should be learning like MBVM or MVC or they should be learning functional or reactive or they should be learning like Alamo Fire or, or NSURL session like are you of the mind that's like just learn whatever you need to learn to get the job done or I mean I guess it depends on what your goals are yeah it definitely uh depends um also I wouldn't worry about like the those patterns like the MVVM pattern I wouldn't worry that about that if you're like a beginner I would try to like just to learn how everything works first and then learn those concepts later because I think it would get too confusing if you're trying to learn that at the same time if you're just starting out. Um, and then like day to day, just like you don't need to rush, you know, like um, like if you go to a hackathon, everyone everyone's like not sleeping, you know, and I would say you don't need to implement everything too fast. Yeah, that's I, I totally agree. Like for me, it was patience. Like I, yeah. I really had to struggle to like give my be, to be patient because like I wanted to get to the next page of like a tutorial. Let's say I just wanted to get to the next page, you know. But I yeah. like is it's maybe more important to just like slow down, really like absorb what you're learning, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and like give yourself the time yeah. to 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 learn. Also, like if you do get stuck. Um, and you can't find help anywhere, maybe take a break, like maybe work on a different feature of your app or just step away from the computer for an hour and then come back to it with a fresh mind. Totally. I know I've said this a bunch before on the podcast, like how I, uh, I've solved problems like in my sleep yeah, you know, <laughs> or on a walk. Definitely, yeah. Uh, like I've had that too where I couldn't figure it out and then I'll leave, come back and it's like, oh my God, there's the answer and I'll get it like that. Yeah, totally. It's just like crazy. Okay, so let's see. What when you were uh, just starting out, like just learning Swift, you said you read the reference guide, uh, read yeah. the language reference guide. What else did you do to just start learning Swift? Um, so I read that book, and then I read the Ray Wenderlich uh, book, and that's basically like the Swift one or the iOS Apprentice, because I know the they have a Swift. Yeah, the Swift one uh, when it first came out, the just Swift by tutorials. Right. Yeah, and I haven't so, gone through that. That that that's cool. Yeah, I haven't gone through that one it's, yet. Um, I mean, it's a little short, um, but it's like, for me, it's kind of like re reinforcing everything I read about in the language guide and with, with some cool examples. Um, so I thought that that was very helpful, but also I kind of learned just by like doing so like in my, I started my app and then I was like, okay, I need to implement this feature. And then since I had the objective C background, I kind of knew I kind of knew stuff I could and could not do, you know. Um, and then if I didn't know how to do it in Swift, I'd just uh, Google, how, how do I do this in Swift? And then I'd find a Stack Overflow probably or and then uh, implement that and stuff. Yeah, I'm that same way where I learn by doing for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. I know some people are, are different. Uh, so I always recommend to, you know, pick your, you know, pick your learning style, whatever that is, and go for it. Uh, so would you say that it's like, cause there's so many resources out there, you know, yeah. like what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, there's just so many, so many resources. Like, what do you, what did you do? Did you like just kind of pick and choose and jump around or did you just stick one, stick with one thing and focus on that or? I basically stick, st- uh, stick to stuff that I like a lot. Um, so like just resources, uh, I'd find a good YouTube, stick with that. YouTube or um, for books mainly I, I 
I've bought like almost every single Ray Rendelich book just because I found that they were so helpful beginning. Uh, they're really they're really geared towards beginners too. I think they have a few advanced ones, but it's like I think they're really helpful for everything. Are you still using their books to learn? Um, I haven't. I don't think I've used the last few, but I would say, and I got the Core Data one, which was super helpful because I did not understand it at all. But then I read their book, and then I just it just clicked. So now that you have like a you know good amount more experience, would you say that the Ray Wenderlich books are good? They like they teach you like a good style of coding, like they teach you the truth, or do they? Because I feel like sometimes I've seen the things they say. It's like maybe not the right way or the best way or just one way because it is kind of an art, really. It's not exactly a science. Yeah. So uh, I, what do you I, feel on that? I think they're more geared towards beginners and also like. Um, so like the MVVM pattern, I didn't really like know about these patterns. I just put everything in the view controllers and that's kind of just like how the tutorials go. Like they didn't really mention it about putting them in different classes or just kind of follow this. And then once I learned about the like other patterns that you're supposed to do and, uh, like, uh, putting your code into classes so you can reuse it and stuff, I kind of changed my coding style. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I don't remember because I haven't done the Ray Wendelick stuff in a while. So they mm -hmm. didn't really focus too much, at least on the ones you were reading. On, on yeah, that kind of like stuff. they didn't make a note of it of like why we're putting this in another class. They kind it just kind of hey make this class now and then I kind of just like didn't really think about that when I was coding normally. I just put stuff uh, where I thought they should go, and I didn't. I mean, I can like, see that. I can see that being good though when you're just starting out because yeah. for me like there was already so much to focus on and to now think that I had to like put code in other places and keep track of these other objects that I'm potentially going to reuse later on which are all things that I do now like yeah. Yeah, it might be like kind of overwhelming. Yeah that's why I think they're really helpful for beginner definitely for beginners and even if like maybe if you're advanced now but if you haven't learned that topic yet like Core data, I did not know yet, but I knew a lot of the other stuff in Swift. But then I read that I needed the core data book because I was still a beginner in core data, and I found that very helpful. So you mentioned, or I mentioned FVV, and then you kind of mentioned it too. Are you actually starting to like look into these different types of design patterns? And Definitely, like, yeah. Cool. Okay, so for those of you that uh, don't know MVVM, it stands for model, uh, what is it, model view model, something like that? Um, the model view view model. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. model view view model. <laughs> model view view model. Right. So, uh, iOS we learn MVC model view controller. Yeah. Right. And the way the style of MVVM that I'm doing that we're doing at Farmers we're doing we have all our, our like model which are all model objects mm -hmm. and the we have like our services which like hit the network. But those are separate objects, but we kind of say like they're over there kind of in the model area. But they're separate objects. So we have our model objects like a vehicle or a bicycle or a car or whatever right? yeah. like, or, a, or a user. Uh, those are the model objects. And then we have like our services. And then we have our uh, uh, model view and, and then the view model. So the view we say is like a UI view, but it's also a view controller. And so your view, you have like a big V which is composed of your small v, the UI view, and your uh, VC, your view controller, right? Mm -hmm. That's sort of like what we're saying is like the view. And then you have your view model, which like every view controller is backed by a view model. And like the view model is sort of between the model 
uh, and the services yeah. and the view. And like the view model's job is to uh, get created. It, it, it calls a service. It gets a service. The way we do it is like our view models get injected with, mm-hmm. a, with a service and they hit the network and they get some data. They massage that data and then they uh, make it available because uh, we're using reactive. They, they make it available to mm-hmm. whoever wants, wants them. And then our view controllers, they get created and injected uh, with, with a view model. And then they bind, because we're using reactive, they bind to um, to the view model. They bind their views to the view model. So if you have like a the current weather uh, uh, observable in the view model, you mm-hmm. in the VC, you'll say like view model dot current weather observable or output. We call it an output mm-hmm. dot bind to my views uh, dot current weather input, right? And like, and so the view controllers become very, um, like very small. small, yeah. And all they do is view controller stuff, like pure um, UI view controller stuff. Except they also do this binding. Um, it's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Are you getting into that at all? Um, kind of. I I've heard of React, but I haven't really used it. Um, at least for my new projects now, I'm trying to stay away from using a lot of third party code. Like Intelligent Time, I only have like three other. Um, outside code of mine and then so I, I really try to keep that to a minimum um, especially cult, like stuff that I would use all over the project I kind of just like using what Apple provides in Swift um, but like once I started learning this pattern I moved all like my table view cells into like their own models so then it's kind of like more static I guess um, you mean you're creating like, like uh, UI, v, UI table view cell subclasses? Uh, like well, I have subclasses, but then I have like a model for the cells. So then I have like a when I create the view controller, I have an array of these cell models and sections, and so uh, then the table view gets created with that data. Interesting. Okay, I'd have to like see what that really looks like. But I mean, yeah. that's the cool thing is like again, it's it's an art, it's not a science. So you can really come up with like different ways of doing whatever like works for you. And I think over time, it's only over time, as you learn more, as you try to reuse your code more, um, that you start to see like, oh, this this worked really well. Oh, this didn't work really well. Yeah. So like, uh, when I when I learned it, and was like testing with it, I moved all of my set like, uh, I have a settings view, and has like 10 different view controllers plus the main settings controller and I was able to move all of that into one view controller but each setting has like their own view model with their own cell models and so it's it's like a lot less code now in each in each class cool have you posted this at all on github or talked about it at all online uh, I haven't posted it on github but there is a like sample um like I think it's just a gist. Is that what you say? Uh, like a gif? No, the it's on GitHub, but it's like the gist.com or whatever. Oh, I'm not them. sure. But it's like the smaller clips okay, of, cool. of GitHub and stuff. So there's like a page on that that shows like kind of like an example of it by someone else from the iOS developer Slack. Um, and they kind of like showed me what they did. And then I kind of like took that and... Uh, like kind of modified it and did my own thing with it. So what would you say it's an example of or a sample of MVVM or? Yeah, MVVM and it like um, you can like 
it's hard to explain, but like you can have. Um, well, it's okay. I mean, I'll link to it on GitHub if you can yeah, send me that link. I'll find it. No, no, that's cool. That's cool. But I mean, I I remember like doing something. I don't know if it's the same, but like my my whole thought was, you know, in Selfaroni Nextpath, mm-hmm. where yeah. like you usually like get your cell and you configure it. I know I've, I mentioned this before, but like I thought of the idea of like why not just giving the cell like the object and then the cell like configures itself, which. Um, you know, so like if you have like a photo cell, just give the cell the photo and the photo, the cell can just like configure itself. So like there's really different ways to do it and it's cool. And I think that's actually something important to point out is, um, I think if you pick the resources and like you stick with them, um, as long as they're like reputable resources, they're recommended by somebody, just like stick with that and learn that and know that, you know, you're going to learn new stuff and you're going to learn different ways of coding and you're going to come up with your own coding style. But I remember when I was just starting out, I just wanted to learn like the right way, you know, what's the right way to code? Yeah. Did you feel that way too? I, yeah, I definitely still feel like that. I always uh, like search GitHub and see how other people code just to make sure like that we're all kind of like having the same style that I'm doing things right or how, how they are doing something that I might be doing differently and see which ways might be better you know so what would you say to somebody who's thinking that right now they're like trying to learn and they're thinking that they're not learning it the right way or they're not doing it right and they want to learn like the right way what would you say to somebody like that um I would say just check out github pages and uh that are kind of popular I look at the trending a lot and I try I look through a lot of them and I try to see like okay this is how they kind of did it and then I'll go to someone else and see how they kind of did something like that um if you're like using a specific class I always search that specific class so like uh my app uses CloudKit, and so I wanted to see how other people are handling errors and that one was really hard to find I found like no one handling errors I'm like how are the people doing this though because <laughs> I wanted to see if I was doing it correctly or some tricks that they might have that's cool. So you do like kind of like a reverse engineering sort of. You see like other people's code online. You see how they're doing it, and then you try to incorporate that into your own projects. Yeah, if it's if it's a good idea or it looks like one. <laughs> right, that's a really good point. I always forget about that. That there are so many open source projects out there online on GitHub, for instance, and you can really just dig through people's code, like real live apps that are out. Like for instance, like Artsy, they're like totally open source you can just look at how they're accomplishing something that's a really good point i always forget that okay so i wanted to talk about um your the the scholarship thing actually yeah yeah yeah. so man i'm just trying to remember though i had a thought Uh, it'll come back to me okay so but yeah because it's we're getting down to the kind of like to the end to the wire and i want to talk about the scholarship thing because i've never talked to anybody who's won the scholarship like i want to know like what that experience is like uh, because maybe there's people out there that are listening that are thinking about applying. Um, what is it even? Like I, I've heard of it before. Like Apple every year gives out, like, I think they've been increasing it, but somewhere like 300, 350 student scholarships uh, yeah. for people to come attend DubDub, right? Yeah, so every year it seems like it has been increasing. I think this year is 350, but they, um, it's not all 350 are students kind of. Uh, they also have like STEM people can apply and then I think I heard someone say that they added uh, had teachers this year to uh, for education and stuff so I thought that was pretty cool yeah that's super cool um, 
so I went 2015 and I also went 2014, but I paid for that. And I would say that it's really cool as a student because there are a few like kind of perks, I would say maybe. So uh, in 2015, when I went, um, I was in the front of the line. I waited all night uh, with some people. And uh, so they let us in and uh, you go, you have to run all the way up to the top because everyone's running. And uh, to get a seat. Uh, yeah, but first, the, uh, you kind of wait in line still, so you run up to the third floor, or, yeah, the third floor, and then there's, like, a rope across, and then you have to stand there for a few more hours, and so I was in the very front with a bunch of other scholars, and they, because uh, we just happened to be up there, we were all excited, and uh, so they took some pictures of all of our apps when we, we had to share them off, and they put them on the website, um, and then, but they, one of the app employees came out, and they said, hey, we need like five uh, student uh, scholarship winners to come with us. So I just packed my st- I got my stuff and went under the rope and went with them. And it was to be like in this VIP section, actually, that was on the side of the um, side of the room. Like there's the uh, there's press rows and then there's uh, it was like right next to the press rows. And then so we we're really close up to the stage. And then after the keynote, they let us on stage with Tim Cook and the other what? execs. And we took a photo nice pretty cool so i mean not every scholar would get that but uh it was like 30 40 scholarship winners up there that got to go into that and so that was pretty cool and special for us that's super Um, cool did you meet tim cook uh i was on stage i think i shook his hand and then i did get my badge signed by him and i tried to get a photo but uh, it was like crazy like everyone's getting photos and the apple security is like hey you guys need to leave now (laughs) Whoa, that's so cool. It was kind of crazy. So that was pretty cool. But then also uh, on the bash, at the bash, they have like a special section for the scholarship uh, winners. And we do get to hang up there and uh, some execs come out and uh, a lot of the, a lot of Apple employees hang up up there and it's a pretty nice view and you get to meet some cool people up there. That's awesome. So the bash is on Thursday, right? Every year they do like yeah. a party bash thing. It's always on the Thursday and uh, I wasn't, I didn't get to go this year, so I didn't uh, see the new Bill Graham uh, place or how like they had the section. But before, it was at the top of the Metreon. Okay, cool. And so what? Cool. So like, how did you learn about the scholarship thing? How did you apply? Like, what's that whole process like? Um, so I mean, I learned because of uh, Twitter. Uh, everyone's like, "Hey, I'm applying." So I was like, "Oh, maybe I should apply." So. Uh, I applied in 2014, and I didn't get that one. Uh, but in 2015, I just uh, it was an app that you had to make about yourself. So it was like a, like a resume app, I guess. And Everyone uh, had to do that? Yeah, everyone just had to make an app that talked about themselves and kind of be cool, and you'd submit your, your code to them, and they would uh, check out the code, I think, or they would run it at least, and then uh, check out the app. And if it meets their criteria, I guess they let you in. It's kind of a black box. Like They don't really tell you uh, how you won because they get people from all different levels of coding and stuff. So what are some of the requirements? Uh, in 2015, you would just submit an app that was about yourself and you have to be in uh, school. And I think you have to be 13 or older, although I've heard like younger people have gone, but it was stated on the rules, so I don't know. So you have to be like in school, like college or master's degree, or is there like uh, an age? You can be in high school too. High 
high school, right. college. Is um, there an age limit, Stanford like a now. max, like a max age limit? Nope, not that oh. I saw. Interesting. So, so any you could age, be like a sixty-year-old university student. <laughs> yep. Oh, interesting. Okay, and and why do you think Apple does this? Um, I have no idea. Um, just to bring more more people who maybe couldn't afford it um, would be my oh. guess. Because yeah, they also allow like st- a lot of STEM people, um, and then uh, this year they kind of changed it though. This year was you have to submit an app that you either built with a team or is on the app store or something. Okay. About any- so it's like any app you wanted to. The last year was like it was specifically a resume app, so you had to talk about like your education um, and how you got started in coding and stuff. So, so that's did what you, I did. the resume app? Did you actually submit it to the app store or did you just submit it to them directly? No, you'd uh, submit the, your code, okay. uh, Xcode project to them. Oh, okay. And then it had to run, and there's a few like other requirements, like the app name had to be your name specifically, I guess, but I don't know uh, if you forgot that. I don't think they rejected you. So. Okay, so then did you have to like write an essay or anything like that? Uh, not, not in 2015, no. Oh, that's cool. In 2016, though, they did change. You had to write an essay and then submit an App Store app. Oh, really? You had to? Yeah. <laughs> did you? So I think, uh, I think next year it's going to be different, though, because I think it's been different all three, the last three years at least. It's did you apply different. last year or for, or for this last year? I did. I applied for this year and... Um, like for 2016, I mean, you applied for this last DevDev? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. I so uh, you- su- submitted te- television time and it didn't get accepted, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> But I think it's fair, right? I mean, you want once, like... Yeah, definitely. Right? It was fun the once, and people so, should definitely go if you have not gone. So what else do you get? They, like, get you a ticket, or do they also put you in a hotel? Uh, they give you a ticket, and then uh, they say that they'll help out on a hotel, and I guess they send you, um, like, a email with, like, places, hotels that you can stay at that are, like, discounted for them, but they don't cover it all the way. And then uh, they say that to help with travel if it requires it. But uh, I've heard that it's really hard to get that. I think only one person got it last year. And a few people could not, couldn't go because they didn't get the, the help. Hmm, that's interesting. And when you say that they didn't pay for all of the hotel, you said they pay for some of the hotel? Or they just help find or whatever. It's like a discount. So maybe they're paying for it. But either way, like you pay for this hotel with a discount. Yeah, uh, I think they send you like an email. Uh, I don't remember getting them, but they said that we would send an email that were like hotels that they like kind of partnered with. I thought or something that would be on a discount if you're going to WWDC and a stuff and you're a scholarship student. But it was it was like a very small percentage of a discount. It's like not a huge thing. Okay, so an overall good experience. Definitely, yeah, I was one. Uh, it was the best week of the year i think it was pretty cool that's so cool that's awesome oh and then also as a scholarship winner they uh the day before wwdc on the sunday they have an orientation nice what does that do uh so it's like a three-hour thing for our thing it's not that long and uh so you go uh when we went it was at the top of this hotel and we, uh, I think it was a hotel, <laughs> and we would go to, went to the top, and they just had like a room with a bunch of chairs, and you uh, sat down, and they kind of sh- told you what uh, what to prepare for and stuff, and then they gave us backpacks with with uh, WWDC 15 on it, nice, and it was pretty cool. Um, 
and then you get the mingle with like other scholarship student winners and Apple employees, and then they take a photo of us that they put on the website, um, and they gave us lunch. <laughs> was it a cool. was it a good lunch? Yeah, it was pretty good. And then it's <laughs> so, like we had like an hour also inside, like just to walk around, talk with people, uh, talk with Apple employees, and give them your card and show them your apps and stuff. It was pretty cool. And uh, Tim Cook came too for like five minutes. <laughs> oh, nice. He popped in and popped out. <laughs> what did he say? Uh, he didn't really say anything. I didn't even know he was there until he left. Like the whole hallway was like just packed with students and they just took photos wow. and got their uh, badges signed. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. Well, congratulations. I'm glad that happened to you. Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, an amazing experience. And if someone uh, is just beginning, they should still apply no matter what, I think. All right. So even if they're just kind of starting out? Definitely, yeah, because I know a lot of people who, like, they, like, have only been coding for, like, a few weeks and they got accepted because uh, Apple doesn't really look for the best. They uh, accept people of all levels, and that's pretty cool. Okay, cool. All right, awesome. Well, thank you for that. All right, so before we end, I want to learn a little bit about like what you are like up to, you know, sort of what what your plans are kind of moving forward. Are you just going to be focusing on these new apps? Do you have any new app ideas? Uh, do you, is there anything new you're planning on learning? Um, or like, yeah, what's your sort of focus? Um, so I'm definitely focusing on like updating my apps for iOS 10 and adding the new features that Apple has introduced. Um, and then I'm working on the movie app, that, and I want to get both of them out uh, on launch day of iOS 10. That's my goal. Awesome. Um, and then I do have a few app ideas for the iMessage apps, which are pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Um, I've messed with it a little bit. Um, they're, they're pretty cool, but it seems like also a little bit limited. You can like only send images and like or text, I guess. Okay. Um, and but they seem pretty cool, and so I want to do a few app ideas for that. You can't send audio or video yet. Um, not that I have seen or messed with. I'm sure they'll open it up soon, maybe yeah. next year. But it's pretty cool that they how much they opened it, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot on opening day for those. Has that been pretty fun playing with the new APIs? Um, a little bit. I think there is a lot more APIs to use and a lot more extensions in 2015. This year, all I can think of is like the notification UI, which is, and that's pretty cool. Um, and then iMessaging. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed with the Siri API um, because it's very limited. And so they said that they'll open it up if you open a bug report, but I feel like that they'll only add categories that are like extremely requested versus like unique situations, you know? Right. Which is kind of like the downfall of, uh, that you have to ask them because someone might be like an extremely small app, but the uh, Siri could really help their users, but Apple wouldn't add it, you know? But we have yet to see, so maybe next year they'll add a lot that were requested. So are you building with Xcode 8 and Swift 3? I am, yes. How's that going? Um, it was difficult at first. I think it uh, totally time took two days to switch to Swift 3. Um, it took two a, days, you said? Yeah, two full days for me to change it over. Like even though you used the migrator? Yeah, there's a lot of bucks. Interesting <laughs> just, that you had to fix manually. Lot. Yeah, a lot. Interesting, interesting. Would you say that that is 
just the reality or would you say that it was like maybe the way that you your coding style or or what would you say um, am i like maybe i just messed something up or maybe there's a bug with the migrator when i up when i migrated it that time um but it was definitely like took a long time yeah <laughs> i feel was like worth i've heard because, this actually yeah. oh so it was worth it in the end yeah it was it was worth it because now it's all working better um there's a few changes in like the latest update that I didn't really care for, um, and also they they uh, switched stuff back. So like before they removed NS and like all, everything, you know, like NS cache and um, NS date. Yeah, well, date still it's still date, but they in the what is and there's NS cache and then. Um, so you're saying and they, NS they, predicate and stuff, and so they removed NS and then they added it back. <laughs> interesting. I wonder why. Uh, there's a reason. I I forget the reason, but they there's someone had a good, um, I guess, proposal again, and so I had to change those all back again after I ch- already changed them. Oh no! So that took a while. Um, I I actually heard on Twitter. I think like Jesse Squires mentioned it took him a while too. Like he was he had a couple crying face emojis on Twitter. Yeah, and then I don't uh, think you were alone. Yeah, it also seemed broken. Like usually when there's a change, like so in the latest one, uh, UI color. So it's like it's UI color dot blue with the open close uh, parentheses. Yeah, so they removed that, and so in Xcode though, if you tap like the the error it would recommend to remove the parentheses now but for a lot of the yeah so for the other errors though a lot of them in beta 4 for some reason didn't correct which is really weird it was really odd so like one of them was like ns time zone uh dot current zone or whatever and then it didn't recommend the swift version of the change and so uh usually it would but this time it didn't so i had the go look inside the source code and see what the new version was and double check that it's the same meaning. Interesting. Okay, well, so some growing pains, but sounds like maybe overall worth it. I played around with it a little bit, um, but I was uh, starting this or restarting this project over again, again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for like the third time, and I wanted to use some third-party libraries, but the libraries I wanted to use... I don't think we're like available for Xcode 8 and like Swift 3 and all that. So then I switched back to to current, you know, released version. That's a plus for my app since I don't use a lot of open source stuff. Right. So like the three things I do use, they luckily did have like a uh, Xcode 8 version that was kind of updated. Yeah. So that was actually what I wanted to talk about. I forgot it earlier, but I remembered it. I want to Mm -hmm. talk about it briefly because when I you know, was first starting out and up until just like <clears throat> I, before I started this uh, new job, I was of the same mindset. Like I want to learn all the first party stuff, all of Apple's like first party libraries and frameworks um, and not be reliant on some other third party library. Mm-hmm. I want to learn like the real stuff and then maybe use something like a wrapper like Alamo Fire or something like that. Yeah, right? I was kind of like the opposite. I used other third-party projects but then I was then as I've like grown I've kind of like I don't really want to use them because then I grow reliant on them to update as soon as possible and make sure that they don't have bugs or introduce new bugs you know right right so but now that I am using there's a few that I'm using right now we're using cartography for auto layout Mm -hmm. really cool declarative like style um, which I'm assuming just uses 
um, NS layout constraint under the hood, but it's like a really cool um, way to use auto layout, like using closures, super cool. Um, so at first I was like, uh, you know, like why not just use visual format language, you know? And then, but then I go back and I'm trying to, to do a new project and not use cartography and it's like, wow, I don't want to go back. Like I know how to use auto layout, yeah. the, like, you know, the most verbose way, you know, um, and I don't want to do it. Like I know how to do it, but I don't want to because like cartography is, it's so, so much cooler. Um, yeah. have, have you, you seen the it? new, I have not, but have you, have you seen the new, uh, auto layout, uh, like NS functions? layout anchor? Yeah. The anchors. I, really I, like I haven't used them, but I read a little bit about it in the documentation and yeah, it's, it's slightly more declarative, but even still, it's like still very verbose. Like it's like something like, uh, my view dot, um, top anchor dot yeah. equals super it, views, uh, top anchor yeah. plus four <laughs> dot active equals true. And it's like, it's like, oh, yeah. Kind know. of, yeah. I don't like the uh, is active thing at all. So what I do is I just put them into an array and then right. add them as a constraint array. Right, which is a little better, but still it's yeah. like, okay, then you got to create a, an array. Then you got to add them all to the array and make sure the formatting is all like correct. And then you got to say activate constraints. It's like, it's cool. <laughs> um, but like, it, you, have you tried cartography? It's really cool. Like, so the way you I do cartography, yet. yeah. So the way you use cartography is you say constrain and then you put um, all the views that you want to constrain. So if it's one view or if it's multiple views, you put them in parentheses. So those are the arguments. Mm -hmm. Then that's a function which returns um, I, I believe, I'm not sure what the, like the proper way, I always get confused the proper way, but like, uh, or, or maybe, you know, it's a function that accepts a closure, right? Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, trailing closure syntax, so you'll have yeah. like constrain and these, um, uh, views in parentheses, um, and then open curly brace, and then you list the names of uh, the, they call them layout proxies. So we usually just name them the same thing. So like view one, view two, view three, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so those views in like a trailing closure, right? Mm -hmm. Named, named arguments and then in, and then you just say like view one dot leading double equal sign view one dot super view bang dot, uh, leading. And that's it. You just like list it that way. It's super declarative. It's really cool. Check it out if you haven't. The point is though, we're also using um, we're using Swift Bond for reactive, and we're using Quick and Nimble for testing. And Quick and Nimble is super cool. Uh, it's very declarative if you have if you've done testing before. Um, and but the point is like, what do you, what would you say to somebody that is just starting out? Uh, you know, I feel like there's a lot of like people out there just saying, oh, just use Alamo Fire or just use this or just use that. Uh, what would you say? Like, especially now that you sort of seem like you flipped your like we both flipped. Like I started yeah. where you are now and you started where I am now, kind of in a way. Like, yeah. what would you say to somebody just starting out? Like, what should they do? I would probably say if it's I would say look into it a bit and then maybe if it's too hard of a concept or something at that time, maybe use something. Uh, that's open source and then go back to it and definitely try to understand it. Yeah, I think that's a good point uh, because what these, so what we're talking about are libraries, like open source libraries that you can use and, you know, kind of import them or install them as a CocoaPod, for instance, into your project. 
And what they essentially do, a lot of them, is they usually wrap like first party library, like code frameworks or libraries written by Apple. They wrap it and to make it easier or a different flavor of like maybe some a lot of them are more swifty, right? Or something like that. Yeah. And so, but ultimately, and I think what Maximilian is saying is like at some point, go back and learn the real underlying way to do it. Because why? Why do you think that's important? Um, just so you never grow like super reliant on it so that if you, um, if they don't update anymore, like if they close down and maybe some, no one else wants to help out on it, that you can quickly make your own or update that own library so you can continue using it. Right. Good point. Think about it. In anything, it's always good to limit the number of third parties Third-party things, things that are external, out of your control, that you rely on in anything, whether yeah. it's like something you're building, or if it's in like business, or if it's in like going out at night, right? Like you take your own car versus like relying on someone else because yeah. like whatever, right? So, so like whenever I get bug reports now, I exactly know where that bug might be located and can fix it. And so far, I've fixed like every single bug within like a week that's it's been reported in because I know exactly where I coded that in versus some third-party library importing and there's like some weird bug from that that might like edit something else in my app, you know, that and then I might not know, hey, where is this coming from? Right on, yeah. So I, I think like if you're just trying to get something done, sure, if a, a third-party library is going to make it easier, go for it. But if you're really trying to learn and maybe make this a more long-term thing beyond one app or something like that. Uh, probably better to to focus on like the core uh, core first-party libraries and frameworks versus like getting distracted by trying to learn other ones. Uh, where can people contact you online? Uh, they can find me at Max has ADHD on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. So if someone wants to reach out to you, like if they have a question, like why is there something in particular maybe people like could reach out to you? You mentioned CloudKit, for instance, or is there something in particular that you'd like people to reach out to you about um, or, or, or they can feel comfortable reaching out to you specifically? Um, basically anything. Uh, I, I'd help out if I know. Um, I know a lot about Core Data and CloudKit kind of, and I also like talking to people about that and even getting help on stuff as that on those as well. And so those are pretty good topics. Cool. And then do you also know how like core data and cloud kit work together? Um, kind do, of, do I built my all? own thing. I think they removed it actually. The, okay. uh, it used to be like coupled together and then I think they removed it or it okay. still might be there. Um, in cloud kit, I kind of just built my own thing cause they have, uh, things called records and cloud kit. And so, I have its own thing up there and then I bring it in the import into CloudKit or Core Data. Are you doing uh, like protocol or value oriented programming at all? Like using structs and enums uh, versus classes? Are you doing that at all? Um, I use a lot of classes mainly, but I've also used, I use enums like like options or like settings. Kind right, of. right. No, the um, reason I'm asking because um, from what I've heard is like, Core data is, uh, you, can, you can only really just use classes. Like you can't, I guess yeah. somehow, like, like you can't use structures like yet. They haven't updated Not it. Really. So, so yeah, I was just wondering if you experienced that at all. Yeah, it's all, I think all classes in with uh, core data. Um, I think there is like a transformative type and like you can make 
use your own classes. So I don't know if we could like use a raw value of an enum maybe. Um, but yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. All right. So yeah, if you guys want to reach out to Max, uh, what was it? Max has HD, ADD? Yeah, Max has ADHD. All right. So we have come to the end and uh, at the end of every episode, I like to ask my guests one question. It's sort of a, not really a question, but <laughs> it's one piece of advice for people learning Swift. Go. Uh, be patient. Don't try to rush everything. Um, if you run into a bug, just come back later or work on something else. You don't need to fix it this second. Right on. Yeah, I love that. Be patient for sure. All right, cool. Maximilian, thank you so much for coming on the show thank today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for sharing your story with us. You know, going uh, in high school, like not really knowing that much about programming and like wanting to make your own app like so many of us do um, and just and making the decision to actually go for it. And yeah. then, you know, releasing five apps uh, in the app store in Objective-C and then learning Swift. And now you've released like 10 apps and like you're a student scholarship winner and your television time app is in, in the store and you're updating. You're going to make an Apple TV app, it sounds like, which is really cool. And yeah. you're going to do movie time and. And that's uh, just really cool. And I don't know, did you ever think like when you first started out uh, that you would be like where you are now? I feel like I feel like a lot of people out there, they're sort of just like they're, they're you know, they're just starting out and they don't really know where it's leading. I mean, yeah. like, look at you. Yeah, I definitely didn't um, expect this because I released my first app and I was always joking with my friends. I'm like, it's going to be the biggest thing ever. And then <laughs> I released it and it kind of did become very big. Um, oh, awesome. My first app was a. Uh, called SMS Signature Plus and added just a little signature at the bottom of your text messages nice. uh, like you can an email and it just blew up and so that kind of like really helped support me and support my future apps and now uh, television time it also kind of blew up because a lot of people really like it and got a lot of good reviews and so that's really helped helped me continue and stuff that's awesome congratulations so yeah thank you for sharing all that with us and uh, I look forward to seeing you or talking with you again. Thank you. Yeah, you too. And that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Swift Coders podcast. Feel free to share the show with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or recommend us on Overcast. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hi, contact me on Twitter. Until next time. Go swiftly, my friends.